Welcome to Ring the Bell with the Masters of Marketocracy. I'm your host, Tony Mitchell, and joining us tonight, John Archer, Glenn Brownworth, Kyle Harden, and Dan Wyman. Interesting market leading into the Easter holiday weekend. Uh, most money managers are expecting a recession, and some of the newest data this week is pointing to a weakening economy, including job openings dropping below 10 million for the first time in about two years. Do you believe that a recession is inevitable? And if so, how long do you think it'll last and how are you playing it? Glenn, <laughs> what, what are you thinking? Uh, well, I'd say with three and a half percent unemployment, uh, the jobs numbers are still good. In, uh, the money supply is coming down. Inflation's down 3%. I think hopefully we're on the, the right slope of kind of having that soft landing you like to talk about and i hopefully that's a soft landing so i think if we i think last year was the recession i really believe that was it everybody everybody got smashed it didn't matter if your manage if uh, it didn't matter if you were a hedge fund if you were in bonds if you were in the stock market if you were in rare metals it really didn't make any difference it just you know everybody got hammered so i think i think after last year everybody's licking their wounds that's why i think we're kind of past that a little bit Everybody except those that invested in energy last year. That was definitely a winning play last year. Dan, I, I saw you shaking your head. What are you thinking there? No, I, I kind of agree with Glenn. I think, um, you know, we may have a recession this year, but most of it's already been priced in. I think the thing that wouldn't be priced in is, you know, a further collapse in banks or something like that. But we all got hammered last year because um, a recession was priced in, whether it is really deep or pretty shallow it, it's already been priced in the market so unless it's more severe than the market is expecting um i don't think we have much further lower to go um uh, it is going to be interesting uh, kyle i think you've got a comment to add yeah no i agree both with glenn and dan i think really the the major bogey that i see potentially that could impact the market probably on a short-term basis is if, if there's anything around the debt ceiling um you know as we've seen in the past where it's, it's you know gone past a few days or a week or whatever you know we have seen those hits and then it, it stabilizes and rebounds you know once they get an agreement in place um, so I think that's really the only short-term concern that I have out there. Otherwise, I agree with what they've said. Um, you know, what I've been saying all along is I think as we come out of spring, you know, later into the, the summer, I think we start to stabilize and really start more of the, the uptrend. Kyle, I, I particularly agree with you about the uh, debt ceiling. I'm very concerned about that. And uh, John, I, John, I see you're, uh, you want to add to this. Why don't you jump in there? I'm going to disagree just a little bit. I, I, when I consider whether recession is at the yield curve, I think somebody said uh, that the yield curve has predicted 10 of the last eight recessions. But um, I, I, I think that when you look at where 10-year uh, treasuries are and six-month and three-month treasuries are, um, and you see that inverted yield curve. I think I think we're just gonna I think we're gonna see a recession. And I think at some point uh, you're gonna see the banks pulling back because of this uh, crisis we've had. It's, I call it a crisis. Maybe it's not, but uh, with with the Silicon Valley and and the other banks that are that that seem to be stressed because of the 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 really quick high. 
uh, rise in interest rates by the Fed. So I, I think there's going to be some tightening in the in the loan market. I think that's going to affect. Uh, I think that's going to affect the economy. I think companies aren't going to be able to to, to borrow as easily, and I think um, with higher rates, uh, they're going to be reluctant as well because they've you know the last 10, 15 years have been interest rates at essentially zero. So I'm expecting you know six to 12 months of sort of a lot of uncertainty out there. And um, I, I, I'm I'm positioning myself uh, with 30, roughly about 30% cash. So I've got some dry powder to um, look in and take advantage of uh, things in the market that may occur over the next six to 12 months. John, I think those are great points. I'm 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 partially with you. I'm a little mixed. Um, I, I I'd love to believe that it's priced in. But when I looked at a chart uh, recently, I did some studying this past week about all the, uh, the the recessions we've had going back to like the 1950s. And uh, every time we have a raising cycle like we've had, uh, there's a strong, strong recession that follows. Or well, I shouldn't say strong, strong, but there's at least a weak recession that follows. And um, I, I'd like to think, you know, it's it's priced in, but I'm a little nervous. And with the debt ceiling on top of it, I'm concerned, so I'm I'm in a position where I'm trying to raise a little bit more cash, but I do think we could have a few more good weeks. Um, I really think the the next rate hike decision by the Fed could could play um, heavy on how bad a recession we have or whether we get a softer landing. Um, it, another quarter point might not seem like a whole lot, but it could just change everybody's attitudes if they back off. I think we're at a point right now where uh, we, we've been going through this period where bad news is good news uh, because everybody wants the Fed to stop, but it's starting to become bad news is bad news because it's definitely uh, slowing the economy, what they've been doing. So uh, their direction on this next one uh, could be big, um, but uh, great, great discussion on uh, on the recession right there. Glenn, you want to add one last thought on the recession? So, so in regards to the inverted yield curve, that's been going on for almost two years now, on and off, hasn't it, John? So, wouldn't it have caused an issue? I mean, we're kind of like kind of going sideways because of the Fed and the and the and the debt ceiling. So, you know, wouldn't have happened yeah. already, or wouldn't we have already kind of gone through the recessionary period with the inverted yield curve already? Well, you know, my comment about uh, uh, 10 of the last eight recessions is is uh, what I meant was um, uh, just because you just because you have an inverted yield curve doesn't mean you're going to have a recession. Yeah. Uh, but every recession has had an inverted yield curve. And I think um, a if you really look at it, the predictor a more accurate predictor of a coming recession is the is the gap between the three month and the 10 year treasury. And it's currently about one one and one point one percent, about 100 basis points, which is which is about as high as that gap has been um, for 20 plus years. So that's what I'm sort of looking at. And um, I, I just think it, it it calls for caution. All right. 
Okay. I think Tony, that's two. I think those are your two, one of your two uh, indicators, right? The three and the, was it the three, three, three month and the six month you said? Well, I definitely. The, the three I, month I, and the 10. And the yeah. 10. 10 year. Yeah. 10 year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and I think different people look at different ones. I've heard the two ten a lot as the uh, as one two. Um, so yeah. a lot of indicators. I've I've been studying a lot of indicators lately uh, because we're trying to prepare a uh, proprietary uh, market indicator for our new website that's going to be launching pretty soon. And uh, right now, I would say we're at kind of a uh, uh, stage one of the cell. I have a, a stage one and a stage two, and um, I would think we're kind of between that hold and stage one of cell right now, um, ba based on this looming recession. But let's let's move on. Uh, uh, 2022 came up, and and what a great segue. And actually, I brought up energy, and energy was a brilliant pay play in 2022. If you were in it, um, it's given up some of those gains this year, but with OPEC's OPEC's announcement this past week that it was slashing output by over a million barrels a day. Where do you see oil going and what oil energy slash related stocks would you recommend, if any? Any 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 thoughts on that? Uh, anybody playing the oil sectors? I'm not a big energy guy, <laughs> although I will say I I do have end phase in my holdings and they're they make inverters for solar panels. So depending on how expensive oil and natural gas gets. But that's another thing. Natural gas is, I think, it's cheaper now than it was before the war started a year ago. So that's actually really good. There was a warm, we had a warm spring in Europe, warm winter, you know, so maybe energy is actually going to go down a little bit because there actually is plenty, because they were worried about this potential nightmare in Europe that they pumped out a lot more oil and natural gas, including the U.S., We've become the largest supplier of liquid natural gas to Germany in 12 months. You know? Well, there's many that are predicting oil to go to $100 a barrel right now. It recently hit some lows. And, of course, the uh, U.S. government did not take advantage of restocking the uh, uh, the strategic reserves at the low prices. Um, so they're either going to wait till it goes back down again or they're going to be paying more. But a lot of people expect it to go back up to 100 And um, I was watching an analyst who's... Uh, very well respected for his uh, oil predictions, uh, Paul Stanky, the other day, um, and he's one that sees it going to 100, and uh, he makes some interesting predictions, and he called for uh, Oxy long and NVIDIA short, and and right now I'm kind of uh, in his camp. Um, I, uh, I The only thing that would scare me about going short on NVIDIA is the, the, the craze over chat GP right now, and uh, what those chips are doing for it. But NVIDIA has definitely had a huge run. Um, I'm a little in oil when we got this nice pop upon the announcement. I trimmed a little, but I'm still heavier than I was in the last two years um, in in oil. In, uh, I like Devon, pays a great dividend. I think it's at a great value right now, just under 53 today. So no other thoughts on oil? <laughs> you guys yeah, really quick. So I, I do like Oxy. Um, that that that's been a strong energy play. You know, the the, the past year or so, um, there, there are significant swings. You know, that you have to be careful for. You know, with the, with the coming market. Although um, oil prices, gas prices always go up over the summer as well. So you get that on top of the OPEC reduction. But I certainly would be careful in shorting a stock like Nvidia, which 
certainly could have strong upside and you could get crushed. <laughs> so I would certainly watch out for that because as you said, like with chat GPT, generative AI, you know, AI in general, um, companies like NVIDIA, I mean, maybe you could win in, in the short term, but it's extremely risky um, because AI is growing across the board from internet of things to just, you know, everything's in, engaging AI and you need the- And, and the I agree with you and it's a good point for our listeners because Microsoft's in the same camp of uh, AI and they've had a big run right now too, trading about 291 as of the close today, I believe. Um, and, you know, with that run, that could be another short, but it would scare me to short. I mean, Microsoft has great products. It's a great company. So I agree with you. John, you wanted to make a comment on that? No, I, I had one last thought on energy, but uh, we can, we can if we're in AI, let's go ahead. Tell, tell us what you think about energy. Well, I would just I would just say I've I've owned Exxon in my model portfolio uh, for marketocracy, but you know, in, in trying to pick winners and losers if you don't really know the energy sector very well, uh, just invest in XLE, which is the Energy Spider uh, ETF, and you get the energy sector um, and just you know put one percent or two percent of your 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 money in it if if you want to uh, if you want to play in that in that sector and I think um, with with a with less supply and demand only increasing probably globally I think you're you know this this move by uh, by OPEC is only going to drive the price of of uh, of oil up. Absolutely agree, and and I like that call for the uh, XLE, John. That's a that's a good one, and it's a great point because if you don't really know what you're investing in, it, it, it's just better not to uh, invest in it. But these ETFs like the XLE give you the opportunity to play the sector. Great call. Yeah, it just gives you a little diversification in your portfolio if you'd like to have it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we, we talked about the uh, debt ceiling and, and the concern over the debt ceiling coming up. Uh, my other major concern is is the war. The war rages on. Uh, it's still so hard to believe that in this day and age we have a war like this going on. But Finland is now an official member of NATO. Um, how do you guys think this will affect the war? And do you think the war is still affecting the markets? I think it is affecting the markets, but I think because of how Putin misplayed everything, that this spring is going to be the last time he has control over anybody in Europe for the most part. They're not going to be buying oil. They're not going to be buying natural gas. And those things are never going to be turned back on, at least not in our lifetimes. So that means that as long as we keep supporting them, we have an opportunity that we've wanted for the past hundred years. And we don't have to put any knock wood, any of our soldiers on the ground and we can, you know, th this goes back to the Federal Reserve, like he can change the interest rates and actually affect the war in Europe by changing the cost of natural gas to the point where it basically destroys Russia. You know, it's like these things are interrelated. He, nobody, the Chinese and the Indians can buy oil below the price cap and that's not really, it's actually below their production value in Russia. So. What's coming in the next couple of months is it's going to be, you know, unraveling of some of these countries like Russia and China and maybe even Iran, because now the people know it's not us. Usually it's the U.S. interfering, but for once it wasn't us. It was them doing this to themselves. And we just have to 
kind of like let it take its course. And a new, a new world order is actually being created right now through energy, through policy with Europe and NATO are stronger now than they've, they've been in 50 years. Dan, right? I see you uh, uh, shaking your head both ways as Glenn's speaking with some agreement, maybe some disagreement. What do you think? No, I, I think he's mostly right. I, the, the thing that's, you know, your original question is, I just don't think people are paying attention to the war anymore. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's one of these things that's humming in the background and it could be really bad. Right. But the market doesn't know how to price really bad, really bad things. So they just ignore it. Yeah. Like you said, so, before, it's kind of factored in in 2022. Everybody said this is the worst part. Everything went down. And now it's like, OK, it's been kind of priced in I'll, I'll, yeah. in some way, in some way. Mm -hmm. the, yeah. And yeah. it's um, but yeah, I, I agree. It's a. You know, it's kind of humming Look in the background, and people are like AI. There's there's trench there's trench warfare from World War One in Europe right now, and people Seriously? are like, I want to have my uh, shopping list done with AI. So you know, <laughs> people move on to the next thing in a heartbeat, right? Mm -hmm. Well, totally true. That's that that it that is true, but um, any day we could wake up and be be uh, alarmed like uh, the pandemic. Who would have ever thought we were going to see a pandemic like we did? And if a nuclear war, uh, warheads start going off, um, I think we we could be in for a big shock in the markets. And I, I, I'm a bit fearful of that. And then I, I do see everybody getting a little too lax again. I, I see re this week I read about companies that are starting to sell their products to Russia again. Um, and that just that concerns me. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Kyle or John, do you have any, any added thoughts on the war? Yeah, I'll just add. So, so I agree with the first two that I, I think the market and I think really the world has figured out how to adapt to every issue that they've been dealt with. Right. So whether it was an energy crisis in Europe. So I think from a market's perspective, all of that is essentially priced in. Um, obviously, there's two big things that could happen. Right. One is the war could end, which would create a rally. Um, obviously, an escalation would do the opposite. Right. So you'd have a black swan event if something like that were to happen. Um, we haven't seen any indication of that, you know, to this point. But, you know, like you said, Putin could wake up, you know, upset one day and, you know, something could trigger. So so that threat is always looming. But I think for the most part, since it has drawn on for so long, people have kind of adapted to this new steady state and the markets have, you know, basically responded, uh, you know, in kind. So um, right now, I, I don't think there's really any impacts until we see, you know, something one way or the other. I, I would agree that that's where we're at today. I'm just still very cautious because of the war, because mm -hmm. it could we could wake up and, and have something crazy happen. And I do agree that we would see a rally, though, even though it's basically priced in. I do think we'll, we would see a nice rally if it came to an end. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even though the, it would just pretty much be excitement that isn't generated to any real activity, but it would just be because of the news, right? Because yeah. You know, as, as Glenn said, you know, a lot of the businesses aren't going to change some of the practices and things like that, especially because there would be sanctions. And, and and while some businesses have started to do, you know, business with Russia again, I mean, it's really not driving the bottom line like maybe it was before. So it would really just be about hearing that positive news and, and, and creating a, a minor relief rally. So let, let's move on and talk about banks. We, we have some... Uh... Some ex-bankers uh, in our group here, and uh, so this might be the question you're all waiting for tonight. But I'm I'm very curious to get some uh, of your thoughts on this. But uh, we 
We had some surprise bank failures driven by massive withdrawals. Is the banking crisis over? And how are you guys playing the banking crisis? Dan, you want to start with that one? Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, when interest rates were, were low, these banks were buying uh, long-term bonds, right? And they're high credit quality. But at this point, if there's a run on deposits, no bank can survive that. Mm -hmm. Just put it right out there. So this isn't credit driven at this point. It's not what created problems in past crises. This is about how sticky are your deposits. And if you have some faith in the stickiness of deposits at a bank, they've been beat up pretty good. Everything's down. So um, if you kind of have that feel and you want to do the, the research and dig through a, a 10Q and figure out you know, who their customers are, um, you might be able to find some value today. Yeah, I think one of the keys is how much are they levered, right? It's uh, There certainly seems to have been a big difference in how some of these are levered and how much deposits are exceeding the federal uh, deposit insurance uh, guidelines. And that certainly added to uh, Silicon Valley Bank's issue because they had so many deposits that were over the insurance limits. Um, so it, it, interesting things in the banking world right now. John, John, you are an ex-banker too. What what are your thoughts on the banking industry? Well, we we could we could spend an hour on on uh, on the banking crisis and what happened, uh, but basically these banks uh, assumed way too much interest rate risk. As, as Dan said, the you know the uh, the credit risk was was zero, uh, but they went out on the on the yield curve and bought a bunch of ten year and twenty year bonds at at one percent, and then the Fed came along. And within 12 months, raised rates almost 5%. So now these banks have, in their in their bond port investment portfolios, have held to maturity uh, securities and available for sale uh, securities, and they don't have to mark them to market. So these are unrealized losses, but at when you start at, at Silicon Valley, what happened was that you had all these big tech companies that were, I mean, most of them have 50 billion to 100 billion in cash. So they were putting billions of dollars in, 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 in the bank and the bank had was awash with all this money and said, what are we going to do with it? Well, we can't we don't want to put it all in at a half a percent or one percent. Let's go out on the yield curve and, you know, that'll jack up our, our short term earnings. Well, of course, we now know that that was, you know, a, a, an error in judgment on on management's part. So uh, I think that this is not over. And I think that banks. Uh, are very, very, the good ones anyway, are very concerned about liquidity. That's right. And they're, they're, uh, you need liquidity in order to fund withdrawals, deposit withdrawals from your institution if that happens. But there's no bank in the country that can withstand a run on the bank. And I think what's happened is that Janet Yellen and the Treasury Department has come in and said, don't worry about it, whether, you know, we're going to guarantee your deposits over the over the FDIC limit. 
I, I heard that, yeah. and and yeah. and I also heard that 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 they have that they've gone out and they've they've asked for comment on having the banks that are underwater on these long-term treasuries to put them back to the Treasury Department. Treasury Department's going to buy them at par. So those that 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 haven't had to sell bonds to fund withdrawals of deposits in 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 a in a serious run can put these bonds back to the treasury department and then you know get enough cash enough money enough liquidity to fund uh, a potential run on the bank so the government has come in again and you know pretty much said don't worry about anything we we got you covered yeah well, what well, about the pen banks you know yeah. Right. That, that's that's in, I had not heard that yet, John. That's pretty interesting because that would actually be kind of a form of QE by by, you know, investing in those bonds. I, I that's, think they're that's exactly right. I QE. think they're taking taking those as collateral, though. Right. That's not like a, a pay. They're not buying them. They're they're accepting them as collateral and you, you can borrow against them. Right. Isn't that. Isn't that okay. right? No, I, I did hear that. That's, that's yeah. I did hear something like yeah. that. I thought that's it, the well, program the they have going on right now. It's semantics, really, at the end, but yeah, the Treasury's essentially buying them back because the bank isn't going to buy. You know, I mean, it's just yeah. <laughs> it's smoking. It's smoking mirrors, really, yeah. is what it is. And I think that these banks that are concerned about uh, liquidity and their bond portfolios because they're underwater on these held to maturity and available for sale securities. You think they're going to be making any loans? No. Right. No. Don't, I don't think so. No. And that's going to affect the economy. And I, that's why, you know, it, it, it just circles around. Yeah. And I think you've got an, I, I think there's, there's, we got to be cautious out there. Just kind of what I'm hearing in the lending markets right now is if you want a loan from a bank, you can get one but only if you have a deposit relationship that's significant. If you don't, you need to go find another bank. So that's the old, what's going on right now. The, the old rule of having a great relationship with your banker for decades is actually starting to come back into fashion right now. Right, right. right. It's a real thing again. It's a real thing. Yeah. Well, I'll also, also tell you that, um, you know, having been in banking for 25 years, looking at the rates, that the banks are still offering for CDs and and money market accounts. Uh, why is anybody keeping money in a bank when you can go and you can get? I mean, they're still paying a half of one percent or one percent, uh, and you can you can go to a money market fund and and or a treasury, a three month treasury, at at almost five percent. I, I I think you're going to continue to to see some stress on these banks in terms of deposits leaving, right. and going elsewhere for higher yield. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely yeah, it, definitely. If they don't get back up in the game, because that is going on. It, interesting. I was reading a book uh, this past week um, about many crises in this country and even overseas. But one story I'd never heard before was there was a period where there was a group of Michigan banks that had so few reserves and the regulators were coming in to check their reserves that the bank was passing the small amount of reserves they had from one bank to the other just be, just ahead of the regulators so that they made it look like they had enough reserves. 
it, it like, was an amazing story. And this was in Michigan, my home state. Here. <laughs> well, isn't that we have a fractional reserve system. So that means that each bank doesn't have to keep all the cash in. Right. And then it can actually loan. Correct. But you still have to have a certain amount. And at this right. time of this story, the this banking chain or group had so little uh, they barely had enough to cover reserves for one bank, yeah. so they kept sharing it and passing it around to every bank ahead of the the uh, regulators' inspections of their reserves. It Crazy. was a Ponzi scheme. It really was. Yeah. Like, wow. yeah, yeah, it really was. All right, I, let's let's move on. Great stuff about the banks. Um, you know, the other thing we touched on for a minute here, but uh, the the big rage lately has uh, been uh, Chat GPT. And Italy just banned ChatGPT, um, and even Elon Musk called for a slowing or stopping of the progression of ChatGPT. Uh, what are you guys thinking about this, and are there still opportunities, or is it about to become a bubble? Mm. Glenn, you, you you are probably the most techie guy in the group. Why don't you start with that one? Well, uh, right now, ChatGPT is the worst it's ever going to be. Just think about that. All right. That's the scary. And, you know, worse in what way it it's right now. It's as crummy and junky as it's ever going to be, meaning that by by number five or number six, it's going to be way better. You know, like it can't do fingers. Now it can do fingers. Now it can do animation. It can do voice. But, it can do music. but even Elon Musk is calling for it to to stop where it is. And Italy just banned it. Are we going to get there? Well, you can try to ban it. That won't matter because there's an arms race between us and China and Russia, especially China. So we're trying to ban. They want to figure out how to use artificial intelligence to attack our Navy and aircraft carriers. So we're trying to keep them at bay and get to this artificial general intelligence before anybody else does, because they think we're going to we're going to use it for warfare. We're going to put it into drones. And so, you know, back to NVIDIA and Microsoft, it'll be Google, Amazon, Microsoft, and they're going to be kind of like Amazon's cloud. You're just going to piggyback off their chat, off their modeling systems, and we're going to have marketocracy GPT, and then you're going to have uh, Pentacon GPT, and you're going to actually just license it from those companies. But banning it won't stop it. And the companies are just, they're so far ahead, they're not going to give up. Actually, the most powerful system is in NVIDIA's labs. They have the most powerful computer in the world in their labs. So what you see now in the public is not even close to what you see behind the closed doors. Like the, the chat GPT that the scientists have, it's scary. So where are we when it relates to investing in it? Are we at the beginning? Are, is NVIDIA going to go to 1,000 or is it going to fall back down in half from here? I think th nobody else builds what they do. Intel and Samsung, they build chips, but nobody has been working on this as long as NVIDIA. They've been working on it for 15 years. You know, they have their own programming language and their hardware, even though it's kind of geared for gaming originally, their stuff is also geared towards this. And they're farther ahead than anybody else. The thing is Microsoft was investing in open API and then they push this right out the door really quick. And Google's doing it too. That's the arms race. If you don't put it out now, then Microsoft's going to eat everybody's lunch. And then Google sees that and Apple sees it and Amazon. And they're all freaking out that Microsoft's like, it's like winner takes most. And they're all freaking out that they're going to get ahead. So they're going to start putting out systems that have no controls. 
they can just go out and do whatever they want, you know? I just saw an article today that Google says that they have a chip that's better than NVIDIA's for for AI. I believe it, but it's only it'll only be that way for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, <laughs> right? And then they'll come out with something else. You know, it's 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 it really is that fast and that bleeding edge. So let's a, a quick diversion. You have ASML and TSMC. They're trying to build these super tiny little nodes, right? Each one of those nodes gradually or drastically improves the AI. But only American companies have these relationships with TSMC where we can get preferential treatment on those nodes. And that means NVIDIA and Apple, those guys, if anybody, they'll have the chips. But Apple doesn't have the AI background that NVIDIA does. You know, I really think that's that really is even even with the cryptocurrency thing imploding for them and gaming being down. This is the one thing where they have an advantage over everybody else. You know, they focused on it for so many years that they really are ahead of everybody because they have that that infrastructure is anything anybody think we're at a bubble yet with with this investing i mean we've seen some crazy runs recently here in in microsoft in nvidia um, google just in the last couple of days has popped again uh, anybody think that we're at a bubble for the ai or is this investable still today i don't think it's a bubble you know was the internet a bubble way back when i mean it there yeah. was some people that popped up and failed really fast um, but it was transformative. And I think the same thing's going to be said for AI. I, you know, we haven't had a big productivity boom for quite some time, and that's coming across many businesses, and that's going to be AI-driven. So yeah. it, is it a bubble? I mean, you're, you're going to see some failures for sure, some, some people that flame out really fast, but, you know, it sure. is... It is going to grow. And I, and I do agree with Glenn, like this is going to become an arms race. Northrop Grumman has AI. I was just looking at it today, right? Like this is going to become an arms race as well. And that's the scary side of it. Yeah. Maybe yeah. this is a great equalizer to the unemployment problem of finding help <laughs> is, is we're going to destroy so many jobs from AI that people are then going to want to start begging for jobs again. <laughs> Or, or we're going to go back to a more, uh, a more like, what would you call it? Like, like a hands-on culture where, you know, we won't have fast fashion clothing. You're going to have people hand weaving clothing for you, or your glasses are going to be handmade or your shoes or uh, <clears throat> anything machines can't make. It'll be craftsmanship. We'll have a return to craftsmanship because financial stuff, uh, medical information, any anything you could think of could potentially be done by this thing. And then what else is going to be left for us after a certain point, right? But like you said, it's going to improve our, our productivity because I know programmers are already using it. It's amazing. I mean, when you watch people who really know how to use it well and they know how to plug it in and they're like, this thing just built me an application by itself. And now we have a web app and a this and like build me a logo, build me a font. And then this stuff just goes out. It's not perfect. But it's like you're doing sketches as an artist and you kind of work from there, right? It, it's just, it's, it is mind-blowing. And now we're finally seeing results of the past half a century. Thank you, Glenn. A very great <laughs> conversations tonight on a lot of different topics. Um, and, and let's just rein it back into investing uh, within all these great conversations. Uh, let's go around. And if you had to invest new money today, where would you put it and why? Let's kind of just recap and, and wrap up with that thought. Dan, you want to uh, start with us? Start that I mean, question? 
I mean, I, I like tech stocks right now. They've gotten beaten up over the past year and, you know, they're, they're cheap um, and they're going to keep growing. I mean, if you think of like Square and, you know, um, I, I invest in CrowdStrike, you know, think these companies are growing revenue at 40, 50 percent and their stock just cut, cut, just got cut by two thirds over the past year. So um, that growth is still going and it's still creating cash flow. So positive cash flowing tech companies, even if it says zero on net income, um, if you're growing the top line at 40 or 50 percent, it's going to pay off at some point. That's worked in the last 20 years, and maybe it can for another 20. I hope so. <laughs> Kyle, where, what are you thinking? If you had to invest some money today, where would you put it? I agree with Dan. So uh, I'm heavy in tech stocks. Uh, tech was was beat up last year. Um, but I mean, the, the companies are still doing very well. Um, the, the one I talked about last time, I, I think is still a strong buy, which is AMD. Um, you know, I, I think it's, you know, NVIDIA is, is priced up, you know, really high at this point. So, you know, it's, it's certainly not the buy that it was uh, back in, let's say, November uh, or, 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 you know, a little bit earlier, you know, last year. But I think AMD, even though it's it's gone up quite a bit, you know, this year, I think it's still a, an, an attractive option. Good. That's a good one. I've always liked AMD, did well with AMD. John, what are you thinking? Where would you put your money today? Well, with a, with, with a recession possibly looming, um, and a, still a little uncertainty going on in the in the equity markets. Uh, I buy six month treasuries at five percent. I like that no, call, John. There's there, there's no risk. It's uh, six months in duration, and five uh, percent is 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 not, you know, a a, a terrible yield in today's market. Yeah. And and it's just you know it it, it gives you five percent while you wait. Exactly. Yeah. Glenn, what, where are you? If you had to invest money today, where would you put it? Wow. I have to say I kind of agree with the tech market beating, be, being beaten up. But the last five, six months have mm -hmm. shown that it can come back, right? And even though NVIDIA has taken off and Microsoft's taken off, you know, NVIDIA a year ago was 330 bucks a share. So it might still actually be worthwhile, but I kind of lean a little bit more towards Microsoft. They actually have something to compete with Google. Google is actually for the first time in 15 or 20 years scared that Microsoft has something that can actually compete with them. And that's Bing. I mean, come on, every, we might use Bing, but I mean, Bing was kind of like the, the second rate, you know, second dog, like, okay, we'll use Bing, but everybody uses Google. So now Microsoft has something that people are actually like lining up to get. So I, I don't know, I think I might kind of lean towards Microsoft over NVIDIA at this point. I think I, I'm a little concerned the run it's had, but I, I yeah. like that. I agree with that. I have to add, did you hear that Bing uh, felt embarrassed when it found out uh, through chat GPT that it was Bing? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I read that and that's a basically, you know, right in line with what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys, know, it works, right? It scans everything. Guys, I'll, I'll wrap this up by saying that uh, I agree with all of you in that I'm looking at it as a kind of a barbell approach. Um, I, I I don't want to put it all in bonds, uh, but I do believe that's a great place to be with a 5% return in short-term bonds right now. 
Um, but I also like a few long-term plays uh, like Meta, I still like right now. Um, some of the tech that's not as high valuation, and that's why I go toward Meta, but I also like Boeing right now. So if I had to put money in today, uh, I'd be 50% toward like Meta, Boeing, and a few other names like that, 50% toward bonds to feel a little bit of safety and security because I do believe the debt ceiling's an issue. Uh, that'll start really hitting us probably in June, July. And I am still very concerned about the war um, and the looming recession, regardless how bad it is, I I'm more worried about the war and the debt ceiling right now, actually. So uh, great, great discussion tonight, guys. So thank uh, everybody who's listening and uh, we will uh, look forward to uh, doing this again in about four more weeks.